<laughs> all right, you guys ready? Yeah. Whenever you got all the... We're good. We're rolling. We're rolling. We're good. Everything is red. All right. Hey, guys. This week, we are still here in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we're right in a slightly cooler place. We're down in Long Beach right now. Like like yeah. temperature cooler. Yeah, it's much temperature. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of windy. <laughs> it's very windy. Like, kind of Portland-like, honestly. Yeah. For real. Beautiful, sunny like it is this year and really cold. Yep. Um, but we are here with two masters of curation from um, really unique perspectives, from a design perspective, storytelling perspective, and um, I think we're going to get some really, really, really good informative information and conversations out of them today. And as you guys know, we are the Kicking Knowledge Podcast. We are here to impart knowledge and wisdom of the sneaker culture through informative stories with great influencers and incredible people like these gentlemen here. That's what we do. Thanks, bad, bad, bad boy. So, you know, let's just, uh, you want to, you just did it. Yeah, so, I did, man. You know, sometimes. Yeah. Wait, this is, this is Isai. Oh, yeah. I'm E. Weezy. I don't know. He ain't say nothing. Yeah, I'm sorry. Man, yeah. is it, he, he, he acts like, act like you already know us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's because you do. Because you know, there's like three of you know, y'all out there watching this. Yeah. Day. So the three of y'all about to be seven. Us, you know. Nice. My wife. Yeah. His kids. Zelo. That's it. Are you coming too? Adam, Adam, All right, Adam's coming too. Hey, shout out to Adam, man, who's been holding us down while we've yeah, been in LA. Big shout out to Adam. Yeah. Adam. We had the best yeah. game possible. What is it? What was it? Short, short shot oh, to 45? Shot. Yeah, yeah, shot a shot. Shot a shot, shot, shot 45. Follow yeah. the homie. Please believe it. Yeah, he's he been holding it down. Now, let's introduce our man off camera. Let's go back to the gentleman on camera. Yes. And he's such a gentleman. I guess we're going to start off with you on the right there. Introduce yourself. Chad Little. Yeah. Former footwear designer for Jordan Brand, Nike. Been in the footwear industry for 10, 15 years and doing apparel lately at Mitchell Ness up until this last Friday where I'm a free man. All right. Oh, man. He's going to hire him. <laughs> yeah, he just, we just talked about it. Yo, yeah, you guys had a moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys took a nice little walk. Yeah. I'm Jeff Scott. I have done a lot of different things in the industry. Currently, I am the brand director for Fairplay. Um, so I come up with all creative, um, conceptual sales, all that stuff. I pretty much hone up everything along with my homie CeeLo, um, who does handles marketing, um, among other things. And before that, I used to be a buyer for a ton of different big box stores and really cool boutiques that you've heard across the country and the world. Do they have, those places have names? One is Urban Outfitters, one is Tilly's, one is Denim Bar, which was a great, like one of the pioneers of raw and um, Japanese right, so stop there brands. quick fast for you guys to go ahead and make this little quick connection here. This is two DMV guys right here on the show again. Please believe it. You see that handshake is like a DMV thing. You just, you just, okay. I'm talking about you make it sound like I'm not, you know it. You got proprietor of mambo sauce in my house. Please believe it. I got, I got nothing but Northeast Groovers playing every day. Please believe it. You know, just the usual. Just the usual. Small thing in the West Coast. Me and Chad. Yeah, hang out you know, in the tunnel. So, sometimes, <laughs> yeah, we just go through the tunnel all the time. You know, but on the Northwest. Yeah, yeah. I used to work at the I'm Black from Cat. Virginia. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm from Virginia. Yeah, you're part of the V yeah. the DMV. It's That's the V part. Yeah. I know, I'm saying, y'all act like, I don't know. I do more news, though. We'll keep it out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're on the Pharrell side. That's, uh, oh, that's, that's right. That's the, the pool of talent right there, man. Yeah, yes, it is. You got AI, you got Missy, Timberland, yeah. Magoo, Magoo. I mean, it's like, go on. He said Magoo. He was the guy. And so, so, so we can kind of just, like, you know, get things started and get y'all in a nice little place. And this is, like, a really important part that I think we kind of ask everybody. And I think the, the people listening... Kind of going back to the conversation we had a little while ago about how you started this thing, 
But tell us your very first job and, you know, how that kind of, like, affected you and stuff like that. Oh, man. My first... So, I, I grew up playing ball. Like, that was my thing. That was kind of my job. I used to play AU, all that stuff. So, my mom was like, I'm sick and tired of buying you these shoes. You need to go get a job and buy your own shoes. And this was before I hit a senior. So when I became a senior, we actually got free shoots from a, sport, a spot called Zod's uh, Sporting Goods. It was in Parkersburg, West Virginia, where I went to high school, which was a whole other story. Um, <laughs> so I was like, well, I mean, if I got to get shoes, I might as well go to the source of shoes. And I got my first job at Foot Locker. So, shout out to Foot Locker. Shout out to Foot Locker, for real. I feel like everybody's like, my first job was at Foot Locker. They wouldn't hire me. I, I tried. They, they wouldn't hire me. See, that's what it is. Oh, man, you know what, Chad? Hey, 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 we made it, man. Oh, yeah. We still made it. Wow. We still made it. That's awesome. We still yeah, made it. A good thing. I hate you, Foot Locker. No, he yeah, loves no. you. But it, I, it's I, a good I love thing. you. Because if y'all went over there, we might not have the great things we had. Exactly. True. You might be a CEO at Foot Locker. Yeah, exactly. Like, we don't need that. We need you guys to be doing what you're doing now. And so what was crazy about it is that I still have the jersey and the name tag at my mom's house. Wow. Like, I kept it. So to me, like, that was sort of what really ushered into collecting. Are and retro yeah. Foot Locker jerseys going to sell these things? Is that a thing? I will, that I'll a thing? never know because I'm going to have it forever. Have yeah. it. <laughs> love for the brand right there. It's like a My First Job placard. I love it. Yeah. What, but, are, what are some things maybe that you learned, you know, while you were at Foot Locker that you maybe use today, though? <laughs> um, I wouldn't say I use it today, but it's the funny things that kids try to use today that I learned. Backdooring sneakers. Of course, you're like, <laughs> before it was cool. And you're, you know, you had your homies and you're like, yo, can I get the 11s that are coming out next week? And you're like, I'll send them to you two days earlier. Okay. And it was like on that level of backdooring back then. Now yeah. it's just mass hysteria. Yeah. And I learned just everyday knowledge of just going in and rapping with people and getting to know people really well and getting personal with people. And then you learn about the toolings of shoes and you learn about why they exist. And you, they give you stacks of books of like, this is an Air Tuned versus this is the Air Max 97. This is how this fits. So you can actually get the knowledge up and understand why the shoe was made, what the purpose of it is, and yeah. what it, why is it good for the wearer. That's the most important thing I feel like I learned. So that kind of segue into design and you understand sort of why things are the way they are. And then I also learned how to get the best t-shirts for 10 bucks like five joints. <laughs> yeah. Full lock of tees for life. Bring them back. To, bring that cut. Shout out to tall tees, man. Bring back. Shout out to tall tees. What about you, Chad? Man? What was your first job in, in, in yeah. this world? Um, I mean, it's even No, no. Your very be first job. First like, job. If you were is, cleaning yeah. windshields at, no. on the, you know what I'm saying, on yeah, the overpass no, yeah. or something like that, you know, whatever. It's like, I don't know. Because the thought is, honestly, man, like, I don't want people, like, literally to kind of, like, break the barrier down and, like, yo, don't be bummed out if you work at CVS or, you know, nothing wrong with CVS. You know, if you work at Wendy's or if you work at the gas station or something like that, like, don't be bummed out. If you want to be a designer someplace, like you got to start somewhere. It's okay. Oh, yeah. You know? No, it's the same thing. Designer for a pair of shoes. I was in fourth grade and I saw all these kids wearing Jordans. And I was like, how do I get these? Mom, how do I? You get 20 bucks for your school shoes and you're not getting these $60 shoes. Okay. How do I get 40 bucks as a fourth grader? Collect a lot of recycled cans. You start mowing lawns. You do all that stuff. And that was the summer of, I'll get you those shoes, but you're going to work for them. And learning a little bit of a work ethic and getting what you needed out of that. And that's what this whole picture that I did at Ian's art show is all about. Years ago. Getting that first pair of Jordans, fourth grade, and walking on the school bus and you're treated completely differently. And the, the older kids want to play basketball with you now. It just That was the start of everything. But beyond that, it was a grocery store. It was a bowling alley. 
It was just hustling to buy more shoes. Yep. Yeah. That's, all, yeah. that's all I did jobs for. And when you figured out, okay, what's the step beyond this? I want to I wanna design these shoes. I want to make these shoes. And that's when I started getting into like what jobs, what schools I can go to. And I can go for another half hour in that route. But it all started for just a love of shoes. And then how do I do this more? How do I make these things? How do I take it another step? Just kept so going. Do you both still use those things you learned today? Very oh, much, yeah, very absolutely. Much so. Let's talk to people all the time. <laughs> but it's great too because it actually helped me understand and open to buy when yeah. buying yeah. retail because yeah. I had to understand how to break down like my fiscal numbers for the yep. store and not just my manager had to do that we all had to understand like this is what your sales goals are and just something as simple as a sales goal is like the strongest thing you could possibly have any on any factor of retail whether you're creating something or you're the the sales clerk you have to understand like this uh, like permanently affects the company and this company can close if you decide to slack and you and a thousand other people that are you. Right, so yeah. everybody has to hold each other up and make sure that your community, which is your company, can keep you employed. Yeah. You see it happening right now. Yeah. You see it with yeah. your Macy's and your JCPenney's and these old sort of um, old style 90s retail is what I'll call it, where it's like we're still doing the things the same way that we're doing it, but it's obviously ineffective. So. Whose fault is that? It's sort of the cog and the whole machine creates that issue. It's not just the salesperson or what they're putting out or the designers for it or the CEOs at top. It's the whole machine. And so to get the machine correct, you have to get everybody on the same page. And that's kind of like the biggest, like, honestly, I forgot to say that. This is like the biggest thing I learned, obviously. So, but it kind of just kind of segues into the next question. Honestly, anyway, it's uh, like you know, you could tell us like your earliest experiences around curating things. I mean, and how important that is to not create these bottlenecks that happen and exist nowadays and everything. If say those big boxes you spoke about just now had actually curated their experiences to kind of be ready for what the consumers shopping like today, we might not have some of the situations we have at retail. Say brands curated the designs to actually react with the way that the environment is going and consumers are buying and living and everything like that. We might have better, you know, admiration or desire to adopt brands and stuff like that. Like, you know, could you guys get, yeah. kind of go into that? Um, we'll keep doing that. The yeah. the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this. Where I worked before uh, my most previous job was up in Hollywood with an artist named Blaine Halverson and he created appointment-only shopping that I had never experienced before that made me rethink how you actually perceive product mm -hmm. and what sells you on it. And usually to me, it's a story. Give me something authentic and why I'm buying into this because if it's just another jacket or another pair of shoes, what do I care for? But the way he was showing off just a rock tee and a pair of denim with this experience where you walk in and you see his art surrounding you here and you see a live giraffe and tiger over here looking at you and then the denims like to see that versus just your rack of clothes or your rack of shoe wall and foot locker to me that that changed the way i started seeing like yeah you can make your product look so much cooler he's just selling t-shirts but people are willing to pay 200 dollars for these t-shirts because the experience you give them and reliving that moment when they were at that acdc concert back in the day and getting into the consumer side a little bit more that's what social media tries to do it does so, it well, yeah. but like it's a changing world, evolving world, and to see brick and mortar going down and see the way he shows things, like this could be thought of way better. Yeah, seeing it like this. I I always say I've always <laughs> said, man, like pe people need people, mm -hmm. you know, and and even if you don't, even if your interaction, I have hundreds of interactions a day because through coffee, 
even if you don't really want to be bothered, like if you don't want to be questioned or whatever, like you still need, you still need that, that little bit of like human interaction, yeah. you know, every day, especially if you just work by yourself. Like say you leave the office or you leave the house, get in the car, drive to get your coffee, get your coffee, cool, thanks. And then you go back to the, then you go to the office and work by yourself. Let's say you work for yourself, whatever, and then you leave, get some food, go home. Like you still need that little bit of people, yeah. you know, and, and. And yeah, I completely I, I understand that for sure. Did you say giraffe like a live giraffe? Oh. Yeah, but the taxidermist guy had I don't think was legal, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Peter was shopping. Yo, yeah, 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 yeah. stuff a giraffe. That's like a week and a half. I'm not gonna lie, I turned my head to see law. I was like, you know what? Giraffe. Zillow's looking at me like I didn't do nothing. I'm like, why is there a giraffe up here today? Yeah, don't ask questions. Don't ask, man. Just put it put in the back. Right, it's crazy. I would say from my perspective, it started at a young age where like I was influenced a lot by just hip hop culture, street culture in general, just kind of how we all were raised, you know, grew up in the hood, that's what you know. And you look to inspire to be those people that made it out. And so it's like, I was inspired by like, oh yo, crisscross is doing something dope. And then it's like, another bad creation is like wearing their clothes inside out. It's like a beef, you know what I mean? And so it's like, you try to go to school and you curate yourself to be the illest version of the thing you saw. So you're like, oh, well, crisscross it this way, I'm gonna try it with this jersey and like wear this one backwards. And then it was like, that wasn't cool anymore. So you have to understand how to shift away to then like go to Bone Thugs and Harmony. It's like, yo, I gotta wear my Dickies, my high techs like this. Or like, you gotta shift over to Rockefeller where it's like, yo, I gotta wear these crispy Air Force Ones with these jeans and like look right. So you learn how to develop this sort of curation through your life and understanding what fits right and the colors and balances and the way that things move because that's the biggest important part of fashion and clothing in general. It's like, if it doesn't move correctly, you're not gonna be comfortable. You're gonna be like, like all day long just shifting and feeling weird. So through that sort of cycling of like, maybe it's not smart to wear my pants backwards. You realize like, maybe you can do it a different way, you know, and like yeah. try to make it look cool. So I think that was like the truest form of where I learned curation and I learned colors and I learned shapes and, and I, I feel like I see shapes differently because I took so much time as a youth to try to build that up to now today, it's like, it makes sense. And I can see why this shirt is going to be too short on someone before they put it on. Do you, um, <clears throat> do you feel like, uh, I mean, cause we don't know, we don't have, we, we can talk to them a little bit. We don't, I mean, we weren't there. We're not in it the way we all are now per se but do you think that there was happenstance curation of all the hip-hop culture and everything that made us who we are now and do you feel like the brands might be doing too much to create it now and it might not be you know there might be adverse effects or do you feel like the same happenstance curation is going on now like everyone's kind of doing their thing from what their brand's perspective is like you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I don't think anyone back in the day was saying that, hey, you know what? Uh, Nike and Polo were going to match up exactly because all the kids are wearing this in rap videos and their whole scene's wearing it and stuff like that. I would say, I, you know, I've heard some stories that maybe there was a person or a rep or two that might have shared color palettes or something like that. But like, <laughs> but that was on some, that was probably on some hustle stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, that was like, you know hey, we're saying? both like, Macy's this year or whatever. Yeah. You know, let's make sure we sell through or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But like, you know, nowadays, I mean, we're not at brands anymore, but we all know that you had friends that worked at brands that were like, I'm yo, I'm I'm sorry. Sorry. but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 We're not at footwear. No, 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 no. We're not at footwear brands. Not you good, bro. We're not at footwear brands. 
fans, but we know that there are people who are Save like, Jack. yo, what are y'all? And maybe it can't Shout happen out to so much. Nets. Yeah, yeah. And maybe maybe it can't happen so much right now and everything, yeah. but it's like, I will know, I know for a fact during like the early 2000s or whatever people were sharing across, like, because they wanted just to see stuff hook up and look a little more, you know. I feel like, here's a good analogy. I feel like now the industry is a, is a sponge where it used to be a spray bottle. So back in the day, it would wet everything. It would get everything sort of energized, and you you want it because it's like, yo, look at this cool poster. I want to look just like Jordan, or I want to look just like Scottie Pippen, or Wesley Snipes, or whoever. White man can't jump, you know. But it's like, <laughs> I'm sure it's yeah, but it's like I you, just thought of Blade. I'm sorry. Know, oh, yeah. <laughs> or Blade. It depends on what area you live in. That could be popping. Oh, could be popping like over Eastern yeah. European. Oh, shout out to taxes. Yeah, shout yeah. out to yeah. Eastern Europe too. Yeah. Uh, but that was how culture was built. Was from what was put out. And if you look at the old Nike ads, like that alone, when you saw some of those Air Max ads, it was yeah. like, "Yo, I'm about to run up a mountain. This is tight." And now it's like they're taking in the culture too much. It still gets me. And it's everything that. I mean, you see it every, and I'm sure you guys know from being in the footwear industry, like, yeah. if somebody on Nike talks like, well, Jordan needs to do this, somebody's probably like, yeah, maybe Jordan needs to do that. You know, and so yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. it's not about talking and listening to the people. It's about showing the people what you believe in and who you are, and that is your, mes- your mission statement. Yeah. When the people affect your mission statement, you entirely lose your integrity, and you lose who you are. And I think that's what's cool about where Nike, Adidas, New Balance, all these guys are going now. It's like... We don't really care what you want now. We're just going to make it. And if you buy it, cool, whatever. Yeah. Finally. It's been a long road of like 15 years until we got to this point. But I feel like it's people like the, everyone sitting in front of us right now who yeah. in, impacted that change um, to create instead of just react. Yep. 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 And hearing that, I'm like revisiting those days of being in big brands where, hey, well, sales said they could sell more if we did this. But you just compromised the whole story of what we just gathered and told you of why this is great. But if we sell a bit more, okay, that's like the debate that we have. Kids and kids and other people listening right now, this is a pain of the existence of anybody who works in a footwear. Any, 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 any brand, any anytime you create something, and there's a, a yeah. mass consumer. So, on the, so don't feel like you're alone and yeah. like they're, you're the only one who's ever had this problem. Like yeah. throwing at you. No, I'm doing apparel and accessories now, and I was in footwear for the ten previous years. So that doesn't matter if if sales says, hey, this is selling good now. We want more of that. You're seeing that much perspective when if they think it's just going to get created and turned around and be on their shelves next week because right now it's doing good. Yeah. They never even really think that we're a year, sometimes a year and a half ahead of this. And yeah. you can't tell me what you see trending now is going to make any difference on what I'm trying to do now for this brand. Yeah. But you're still always halfway pulled by that sales guy who tells the marketing guy who gets mm-hmm. together and says, let's just do this because we can affect it now. Yeah. You get that email and you're like, uh, yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so... Can you talk a little bit more about the, you were talking a little bit about the process and like the, just kind of getting- Joe and stable, B. Huh? Joe and B. Oh, the process <laughs> of which I trust. <laughs> oh, you don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Yeah, no, I tried to, <laughs> tried to make a designer sweatshirt just for that the other day. I oh, did, yeah. I did. I said, I said, I need, a, the, pro, I need a, the process <laughs> That's versus amazing, everybody. Oh, I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the fairest process ever played, if you want that. A little fair place, but no. Oh, collab. Coming soon. Y'all just saw business go down live on the podcast. This is what what happens. That's what you need to be about. This is is what it's about. 
You gotta win, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Without winning, gotta win. Oh, Lose way. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, uh, no. Back to the back to the story. Um, no, can you talk a little bit about just like as you work through the creative process and and just now let's try to infuse like a little more of like your design, your inspiration, and how you create and curate some of like based off of what you see or what you find or what you you know uh, experience and put it into whatever that whatever that product might be because you. Because your inspiration is way different. You know, now a lot of people are doing this venture thing. Uh -huh. But you've been on it for a minute. As long as yeah, I've let's known. Yeah, tap on that. Because yeah, yeah. Really we, talk, we, we only went on the Jordan. Yeah, they don't know about young Dr. Funk. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Dr. Funk was my original eBay name when I started doing this in... I did it with my brother probably right when eBay came out. And then I started my own name probably in 98, 99. But all we were doing is thrifting the Portland area. Because I grew up about 45 minutes outside. And we'd shop all day Saturday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Sunday, you'd wash all that stuff. It's vintage sportswear, Nikes, Jordans. But when you're in Portland, you get the employees and the old employees who drop off at the thrift stores all the time. Before it was as popular as it is today, me and my brother were scouring Goodwills. Yeah. Outside to Beaverton and everywhere around. So we collected a lot of stuff. We resold it and made a lot of money and my brother did it for 10 years full time. I did it as side work as I was a design student going through school. It was drinking money on weekends. It was just, <laughs> it was fun money, but every yeah. time you found something that fit you, that you liked, I'm gonna keep that one on the side while you're selling the other 80, 90%. That side stuff just kept piling up. And then when I got into bigger brands and more career oriented, my time can't be thrifting anymore. I've been left with just a massive collection of stuff. <laughs> but Good stuff, Mike. It's yeah. good stuff. I, I keep pulling the stuff that I personally like. To me, that's where the value is for most of the stuff. And a lot of people, I think, will agree a lot of stuff does have value. But like, if anybody, like you came in and said, I love a pair of size 13s, I don't know the value of anything in that room, to be honest with you. Because to me, the value is what I use it for. It's my reference library as a footwear designer. I could reference any detail of any time period. You got an amazing It's crazy. Anywhere. It's crazy. And Hopefully, you guys I, get a chance yeah. to check this out. There's there's yeah. some B-roll. You know what I'm saying? There's some B-roll footage. You know, that's going to happen because holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. Yeah. Pulled from the reference library, by the yeah. way. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about those later. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. illegal. Yeah. It's illegal. <laughs> That made it easier to tell stories for me though because what I found was all the stuff that I had that I appreciated when I went to bigger brands like Jordan Brand or wherever I'm at, Mitchell Ness most recently, and they want to hear more curated stories. And if I'm telling a story of why this detail from this baseball jersey is cool because of how they laid this garment out here, I'm going to use that as some inspiration for a Mitchell Ness label to tag and look like we came from this time period because that's what that brand's all about, nostalgic sportswear. Mm. But getting little details to everything, to the vent holes and how they're curated differently than how we would do it now and telling deeper stories through the vintage clothing I would collect or the vintage shoes I could reference and why those details were good made my life easier as a designer just being able to have those references. But now I'm like down with the design world of corporate and I'm seeing how I can take the vintage stuff forward. But that's the next chapter starting soon. Got it. It's beautiful. <laughs> when, when you uh, were younger and you would, uh, when you were younger, did you actually have like any experiences with brands that were like, the curation was done so well that like it drew you into the brand? Like, or you assumed that it was done so well. Like, you found key elements and things that they did that, like, just literally wanted you to be a part of the endemic. Like, just flat out. Like, t 
take a low life, for example, you know, the, you know, the guys that love polo like that or whatever, yeah. or, you know, some of the kids are in the bathing ape and stuff like that. Like they have to, or Supreme, mm-hmm. you know, there's so, there's, you know, it's whether it's the box logo or, you know, it's whatever it is, it's that one little intrinsic thing, or it might be the story around it or whatever that like drew you in and encapsulated your whole like mindset into the brand. I would say there's two brands. And I was actually, CeeLo's about to say something here, but it was something I brought up earlier to CeeLo's, like one thing that really got me was shooters. Oh, yeah. Because it was so like- So that's a DC brand for those that do not know. I don't. And Enlighten, so, uh, but. Enlighten it was, I'm like, I get just 30 seconds, we can go ahead and share back and forth with us and everything. Oh, yeah. I slightly argue with people about this, but I kind of say that all the DC streetwear brands are the originators of streetwear. Predating Supreme, everybody else, and then some. CeeLo, I didn't I've, say I've, that. I've learned, <laughs> I've learned so much over the last couple Re- days, Reference years. our previous mm-hmm. podcast episodes for this, but trans shipping of yep. footwear. Look, you're, you're like, what is this that I don't know about this? <laughs> I'm learning. Trans shipping, like, so Going when overseas. we were younger. Yeah, well, not, yeah, no, it was just up to Jersey. We just didn't, oh, we just. Oh. We, so we, overseas. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> overseas, basically, yeah. You were, you were 14, you couldn't catch yeah. a bus, or you couldn't catch a, a Greyhound bus to Jersey to go buy a pair of Gucci sneakers or whatever from the Atlantic City Gucci shop. Because the DC Gucci shop didn't carry it. Okay. So, some purveyors of extra things and cash having guys used to go up and bring them back to a store they had in DC called the Madden Shop. Shout out to Eddie Vayne. And they would actually make Madden Shop versions of the Gucci sweatsuits, buy the Gucci low tops for, I think, a buck fifty, high tops for two fifty, resell them for three hundred and five hundred. Mm-hmm. And, and, women, and, and the women's Gucci rider boots. And this was a streetwear shop that was <laughs> no bigger than maybe the living room here. Okay, that's crazy. And, 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 and then guess what? They do t-shirts every week. So this is when I and, and the t-shirts were twenty five bucks and eighty seven. So it was like yeah, so fifty dollars. Like, that, that's what I'm saying. So that's what I tell everybody. And like they were, it, this was pres- presumed high fashion. Mm-hmm. Shooters up the proposition. Yep, with the um, the track suits yep. and the sweatsuits that yep. are cool right now. With I got the piping. I, I, I got goosebumps yep. because the, no one makes fleece that heavy anymore. No, you gotta stop getting goosebumps on I this mean, show. And these yeah. things were like you always get goosebumps on every episode. Kit. Yeah, like them joints were. Rainy champ, I love y'all, but y'all don't touch the weight of the fleece that they put in these. It was these crazy. Like yeah, y'all don't touch. I've all I still to this day is never couldn't afford a five hundred dollar no, kit no. and those things were fire and yeah. I remember my sister's boyfriend at the time Dion he you might even know Dion actually he used to rock because he does he's in uh, film now okay. yeah mm-hmm. in DC so he he's like on the news and stuff um, but he used to he had one and I was like how did you get that like. Yo, you're in high school. What are you doing? You know what I mean? So to me, <laughs> like, you see in that time period. Yeah, yeah. So that was like sort of what really sparked it for me when I was a kid was like seeing that and like even when we used to wear the lanyards and just things that now are like sort of everywhere. To me, it's just common knowledge because it's just like what I grew up as a kid. You know, like mm-hmm. this is normal to me. So basically, it's like the ethos of the brand because you knew yep. that it meant something. Yep. Like the accessories that the brand carried mm-hmm. as well. And then even just was, because the, the design was rather iconic. We're leaving that out, like yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. whatever. Yeah, thing. absolutely. I mean, like, that's a game. That's know, a given. We can yeah. tell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, based off of goosebumps and <laughs> well, well, no, it, but it, they would often just do really clean Hugo Boss, Gucci, Versace, and everything was a big thing back in the city, and they would do stuff that slightly emulated a little bit, mm. but then they would just have real basic clean shooters on a sweatshirt in multicolored letters, so that the, your footwear went back with everything mm-hmm. you had, that's and or you wore your great New Balance. And yep. that was a color pop. 
<laughs> Wear whatever color hat you wanted to yeah. with your gray sweatsuit and your, you know, your two hundred dollars sneakers and everything. Yeah, it needs four numbers in those in those New Balances too. Yeah, yeah. You can't stop you can't the stop nines. Yeah, you can't stop the Because <laughs> you were balling. You're a big yeah. ball. You're balling at that point. And, and then you, you put on your phone posits yeah. and hop on the court. Hop on the court. Yeah. Yeah, of court. No, hop by the court. You were actually don't exactly ball. No And then I would say the <laughs> second brand that sort of now understand the life of vintage and and what sort of caused that was Dickies for me as a kid and. I felt like we didn't really take on to that as much in DC, but I took so much from like, my, my aunt lived in uh, Cleveland on East 1999 Street when Bone was popping. Gotcha. I went there and it was like a murder scene. Like it was the scariest place I've ever been as a kid, but it was so intrinsically in me because the music was so important. And plus it's like, well, my aunt lives there, you know what I mean? So I took to it really hardcore. And I would do the Tim, like the Tims with the Dickie suits. And then it was all about like curating your Dickie fit, yeah. which then helped me understand like heritage brands and yeah. where that came from. And then growing a knowledge of like Dickies and Levi's and all of these things that like, I mean, been around for a hundred years before I existed. Before you go into the answer to that, I want to throw a question at you about that one. What do you think defines a heritage brand? What defines a heritage brand? Because I think it plays into what we're talking about right That's now. a great question. Well, <laughs> I, I can speak for just the last company I just left, Mitchell Ness, which began in 1904, and it started as just a golf and tennis company. They restrung Never did that. I didn't need Never. I, always I thought they jerseys. made football jerseys or yeah. something like that. From like 1904 to about the Depression, that's what they did. And um, then when people were getting less income from the depression. They weren't golfing so much. The golf was a less popular sport this time. And the people who had money and looked for more athletic outlets, they were going to like sailing and other things. So they got out of that and started, because they had a sportswear knowledge in Philadelphia, they were repairing people's jerseys. Oh, so they wow. started seeing that, they, that if you could repair these garments that people want to keep wearing on the football field, baseball field, we can do that. Then they started outsourcing other company. There's a company called Maple. It's an old vintage sportswear brand. That green and yellow jacket right behind you. This one, yeah, you got it right here. Oh, that, yeah, that's the brand Mitchell Ness used to source food. They would buy Maples blanks, and then they would do whatever they want for the local high school. That's the local Letterman's kind of company. I know, I know a guy that used to work with them. They used to buy other people's blanks, and uh, <laughs> now makes really fancy, expensive hats. <laughs> so they. Just for the story of what that was, and I think why it's interesting, they took awesome. that into... He knows what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> He's like, I know very much so. They got the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles first, actually. In 1933, they outfitted the Eagles, because they were growing in the wow. local high school awesome. college scene. Oh, wow. And so if you look at their game-worn stuff back in the day, it's Mitchell Ness tagged, which no one really knows. Wow. So that's like the start of them growing as a sportswear industry. Then they didn't do much for like 40, 50 years. Wow. Just laid low. And then... When the rap scene hit and the long, tall, baggy jerseys and fabulous and everybody wearing those things, that's when the brand went from like here to here. Everyone owes a big, uh, big favor to Big Rube because he was a marketing director at the time. He put all you rappers, all y'all know Rube to care, y'all. Shout out to Big Rube. Wherever you at right now, Rube, keep doing your thing. I think you're doing photography or something. Kill him. Send me yeah. some jerseys, though. Right. <laughs> Shout out to Big Rube for yeah. making me like want a $300 jersey when Jay-Z had it. Yo, I was trying to get all my monies. <laughs> Oh, I was like, I just, I just oh. couldn't decide what team I wanted, and I knew what team I wanted. I was like, but, 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 but. Look, look, shout out to Big Rube for actually oh. having a Mitchell Ness party at Rick James's condo one time. What? Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna find a picture. So I got a picture with me, Rube, Rick James, Leo, Mark Ketchum, who's on um, Beats One. Was Leo who we were just uh, on the phone with earlier? Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Mark, you might remember this if you're watching this, but yeah, I got that picture with us at Rick's house. When I didn't hear none of that in his voice that <laughs> yeah. he was once at a Rick James party, Mitchell Ness and Rick James condo party. Yeah, it was didn't awesome. say nothing about that. That's pretty awesome. Man. Was Rick wearing some like throwback boots? No, he just had his, I think he had his braids, <laughs> dreads, things or whatever. It was a little before he passed. Oh, yeah, man. That's wow. awesome. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Kicking knowledge. I know, Kick right? Kicking knowledge. Kicking knowledge. We all won today. I can't wait till I have. I can't wait till I have like old stories. <laughs> you got old stories, yeah. man. Not was like that this. A sneak this? Just... No. Oh, no, 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 that's not a sneak. This, this is a diss. Yeah, but no, it's also, but I also am like, but really, I want these stories. <laughs> Maybe I'll live long enough to. Have... <laughs> yeah. One day when I get my dirt tall and my USSR car, right? <laughs> Maybe I'll see another forty years. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's y'all are funny, up, but for real, that's that's really how I feel. That's really how I feel. Did Dirty. I Yeah, I think you did. I, I thought you did. Was I about to was I about to do one? I thought you were. Oh. Actually, yeah, I have my own. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I done I done I, I texted yeah, it to you. Know, I don't think I you got it. I didn't get it. I got it on right. airplane mode because I'm trying to respect my Oh, own that's airplane. I recognize yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. I just got no service. Anyway, um <laughs> <laughs> we keep it real on the yeah, show. Yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? It's all, it made itself on airplane mode. Uh, what are some What are some brands uh, now that you guys see that are that are curating their spaces and their experiences very well? Both like small brands and big brands. You can you can talk about yourself if you want to. Like if you if you feel like. Well, of that's course, what's fair cracking. play. That guy's not saying like the hottest <laughs> brand in the states. Like, duh, yeah, yeah, believe it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, no publish. No, I'm really into like tight jeans, and I, and this kind of bums me out that they got so big from like hip hop scene. But I do love that for them. But a brand like Needles, for example, which mm-hmm. no one ever paid attention to anything the Pentas mm-hmm. in New York has ever had, but now it's like popping because people are wearing like their tracksuits. But they make so many other better things in their tracksuits, even though their tracksuits are like the gods right now. But I would say like anything the Penthes does, engineer garments, needles, uh, two west, uh, two west, eight south, I think it is, or west two eight, uh, west two south eight or something. Really great Japanese brands. Um, you gotta go to the Penthes, man. It's great. It's, uh, it's, it's like Japanese, mid- I can't fit it. It's like Midtown. Um, no, I'm rocking too, you know. Oh, are we in there? Yeah, we in there. All right, cool. Yo, we in there. Um, and then from a bigger perspective, I would say like, you have to go with Levi's. Like they're, they are so good at sectioning off their collections and creating these stories and capsules where you have LVC, you have Maidencraft, that you have um, just regular Levi's line, then you have your sort of promo pricing Levi's. Like everything always seems good. And they do a really good job at making sure that like, this store gets only 511s because that's what they sell. And this yeah. store gets only like LVC because it makes sense for them. So I love what they're doing. And then when they were all the collab, it's like some of the coolest thing you can find. Like yeah. That four is awesome. Like, yeah. It just blew my mind. Yeah. And I'm that looking forward to the white and the black one too. Okay. Are you looking yeah. at me like that? No, I was, like, yeah. yeah. no, was, 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 was going to say shout out, shout out to BK and yeah. uh, shout out to Bruce Noah and Matt Ballard out there at Levi's doing, doing big things. They used to work with us with Swoosh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. And um, who's our homie from uh, Levi's too? Uh, Big Baby Jesus. Big Baggy Jesus. Big Baggy Jesus. Big Sorry, yeah. Big Baggy Jesus is the dude. He, he single-handedly is involved <laughs> in bringing back the baggy pant oh, wow. craze. Like, that dude okay. is the one. So oh, really? He, yeah, and he does market research for Levi's now. Good stuff. Yeah, he is the truth. That dude, Big Baggy Jesus, my guy. You have to go to his Instagram. Big Baggy Big Jesus. Baggy Jesus. Big Baggy Jesus, we need you on the show. Yeah, all he's tight. Where you at? We coming. <laughs> yeah. 
He's clearly, you see, we we travel now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what, what about you, man? Oh God, I was trying to remember the name of the store that I was just at in Japan, but it, to me, the way they set up with all the different brands they had, they also curated vintage pieces slotted. Every was it was it a store that had no name? How long ago were you in Japan? A couple weeks ago. Okay, was it a store that had no name that was like, uh, I think it was in Harajuku, and it just like it was just like a like a weird alley, and then you go then you go toward the back, and it opened up, and it had like an upstairs, but I you couldn't go upstairs. I know, right? The problem is the store had no name. The store, I was like, I was like, what's the name of you guys' store? And he was like, he got on like Google Translate, and he was like, we opened yesterday. Oh, we have no name yet. I don't know. Oh, I thought it was called We Opened Yesterday. No, 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 no. Yeah, it would be a fire name, though. Hey, We Opened Yesterday, coming soon. But he had a cured <laughs> same sort of saying there's some new with the old. Yeah. Yeah. It was so dope. This, not this, I wish I went to that place. I don't know if I went to that place. There's oh, okay. so much in that space that you get lost in. They had like, just it was almost like a library back there. Like They had like shelves and it looked like books. And, and they just had like old like Gatorade stuff and... It was it was so dope. Yeah. yeah, when you can tell that nostalgic past and see people who have curated that stuff today and you see the whole story without having someone to tell you or the consumer who doesn't know any better, I think that's when you can look at a wall and get it because I see that old Gatorade piece and this is them making the new Letterman jacket for that Jordan drop. Like, mm. I like seeing that and I'm the one that will go for that vintage piece because to me, I'd rather have stuff that's unique, authentic and not everybody could have this right now because it's on that rack. I want the one that nobody has. But when you see stores that put that together, I can't, it's a two word name. I can find it on my phone real quick, but they would put a cool little limited edition denim section here. And then you'd see the old Levi's next to it. They'd put Letterman jackets that were new from a few new brands and their styles take on it. And then you'd have these old 40s, 50s Letterman jackets. You can see the details that those guys are taking from some of these pieces. But all of it was for sale. I see. Which I think made it great. incredible. I got a good one, I think, based off of what's going on right now. I think we've basically seen, you know, customization and owning mm -hmm. it as yourself and everything as being, like, a, a huge thing from both sides. And I think we saw it this weekend with, uh, you know, the opposing brands on opposite sides of the streets, yeah. you know, battling out the best customization experience for each other. Um how do you, as a major brand, small brand, you know, how do you actually curate something that allows the consumer to make it their own and not drive your own company crazy with 20,000 SKUs? Right. You know, with like 90,000 models with 20,000, you know, with, you know, with 20,000 SKUs or whatever and stuff like that. And then, you know, actually still maintain this unique proposition for each consumer to make them feel like they should be a part of your brand. Is it your storytelling? Is it some cue in the product that you got to do or something like that? For, I guess, a quick example with Mitchell and Ness, what I was just telling you about, I designed a line of sportswear for spring, summer 19 that's based on nostalgic roots, but has a workwear twist of construction and quality built into it because that's what Mitchell and Ness always tries to preach. We make the best of this stuff. So why not make sportswear-inspired stuff with that twist to it? This is like what I offered to them. They loved it. The whole thing is being sent over now and in the works, but the way I think it's going to be successful is to tell the story. So the hang tag on every one of these pieces is going to say, this is inspired off of this 1959 jersey, and here's the details that come off of it. The color all comes from this era. To be able to tell that and then through social media with 
the kid who wears just this style jersey, but if you show it with your average good denim and a pair of Air Force One, and show them how this will look good versus here it is with a white background, right? And make them like I want to lead you to where you think this is gonna look good. I'm gonna show it with really nice products surrounding it, and then it's gonna make this look even better. But with social media, you can do that. You can take a street shot of anybody wearing a piece of product and put the coolest things around them as just your side of art mm -hmm. that helps sell that piece. So to me, like that's how I think you can sell any idea, really, if you paint the picture for the kid to buy it and why he's buying it. Without a commercial telling you the story like Nike did for me and why I wanted to buy that stuff, like, you gotta, you gotta see it in three seconds on social media and get them that quick. <laughs> I had a nice dirty question on this one before you jump into your part, but mm -hmm. when we were younger, I feel like we didn't go back and try because I think our parents were like, what? You can't buy that thousand dollar outfit or whatever to go play basketball in. What are you, a basketball player? You know, like uh, like a pro basketball player or whatever. But like nowadays, I feel like the kid sees that prototype on the website, and then all of a sudden they cut and paste that thing, and all of a sudden they're walking down the street, head to toe, and exactly what you dreamed up in your brief. Uh, Does that is that cool? I'll, I'll let you answer first for you. You um, know, well, actually, yeah. Yeah, I think it depends on the person. You know, it's like sometimes people just aren't like as creative as other people and that you can't slight that person for wanting that, you know, and like have aspiring to be something, at least they're trying to be something, you know, like, but to me, but did, and I'm not jabbing at the kid or whatever, I'm just asking, do you think that's something that the culture loses because of that? No, it, it's been happening this entire time. That's why mannequins exist in the mall, you know, and, and big banners. Had to tell like, hey, wear your Air Maxes with these pants and this shirt. Like, it's it's just something that's always existed. And before then too, with print ad and how that would look on like, I mean, they still do it. The Gucci print ads, like you yeah. look at that, and you're like, man, that guy looks like something I want to be. You know, like I want to be him surrounded by these babes. And that's cool. Fair enough, it's aspirational. I just like I feel like today you literally get the kid who like says, you know. They saw you wear this today, and they went out and they bought the exact same fit, and they're going to go back and wear that again on the street tomorrow. But I think for every kid that you see there, there's another kid that's like taking that fit and cutting it up and marking up everything and, and giving it its own flair. So I just, I think it's a, a sort of a two-headed monster in that, way, which is better, I think, for the industry in that way, because it's like for us, like we're selling units, right, right, right. which is like, yo, if you just need the wear those joggers like that, the way we put it in there with that tee, dope. Cause I just got a two for one, man. And like, I need to pay my bills. Yeah. I don't make that much money to be like balling. You know what I'm saying? Like, your, your t-shirt matters. And so jumping back to the pre previous before you answer this question, like, is that, how do you guys like figure out that whole mix to make it unique for each individual consumer without having to like, you know, give everybody white t-shirts all the time? Um, I'm a psychopath about creating storyboards. Okay. Like to me, that's like my number one thing. We are now up to summer eight or summer nineteen design, um, and sampling proto. So to me, I I have to have a complete and utter story. Like this is why this inspired this, that inspired this, that inspired this. Like whether it's bad brains or if it's like military or if it's Jamaica or whatever I just need to make sure that a story exists because if I don't build that story CeeLo has nothing to market our designers have nothing to design into our sales team have nothing to sell the story is what sells everything it's not about the clothes at the end of the day because like what's your t-shirt to your t-shirt 
And right. it's, it's like, well, why does that exist? Why does this exist? That's what really matters. And that's sort of like what he was playing to too also. is like, you need to have something that fixes that. It's a, it's a link that needs to be from consumer to creator. Like, what is that link that drives it home? And you can't, now we're way past the days of just throwing something on the shelf and hoping it sells. Like, you can't do that anymore. That form of retail died as soon as the day that the internet went, So you need to tell those stories. And Instagram and other social platforms are the best way. Because you don't really have to do much. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to go out and source a printer and make an ad and buy the ad space and make a commercial. You have three second swipes of commercials every five seconds that you want them to until you annoy them. But you know, it's like, yeah. you gotta keep sort of grinding at it that way. And, and that's what CeeLo's so great about too, being our marketing director is like, he's really good at the placement. He's really good at understanding the algorithms and when to post and how to post and what it should look like and the lighting and all these things he's posting right now. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's sort of never now work with. Shout, yeah, out, exactly. shout out CeeLo, man. Yeah, 100%. Man. What's your take on the curation, the, the over curation slash over curation possible thing? Uh, I don't even know how to address this, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm just, I, I, know you, I know you can't actually say that you dislike or like or whatever and everything per se, but like, does it stifle the creativity of the consumer to just cut and paste what you did? Especially when you know you did five colorways. Yeah, and that's why I'm like, I'm in a different mindset now because yeah. my mindset without worrying about how I'm building a corporation to make more money and what's going to drive everything, my mindset is how am I going to make my own shit better? Right. So it's how am I going to take my personal vintage pieces and make them even more unique or how am I going to curate this in an ad on my own Instagram page to make you even think this is cool because I know why something's cool Right. I bought it. The kid who's half my age might not, and if I can t show you what made this relative in sports or pop culture back in the day, and here's a photo that you swipe that you see, oh, that guy wore that in that movie? Like, that's the kind of level of thinking yeah. I want to curate to people, versus, hey, I just sold this, and I want you guys to buy a hundred of these. Like, that's far from my mindset now, so it's, it's a different, I don't know, way of thinking of how to sell products right yeah. now for me. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think it kind of lends to the whole fact of what you said just now, storytelling. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I actually, I think it's really dope the way that you post everything on social media because like, like you said, you know, you, you'll post the, the item and you'll post whatever, like maybe movie somebody was wearing it in and all that stuff. But to me, a lot of times when I see your slideshows, they look, there's not in a bad way, but they look busy and it's, and that to me, it's fun. That to me is new instead of just like a white background with the piece sitting by itself. It's just like it's in a photo with a bunch of other dope things in a photo. And it kind of it makes you discover that's exactly what whatever, whatever it is. It's like it, it makes you like, do you like this? Cool. Go look at that. Do you like that? Cool. Go look at that. You know, so I think that that's I think that that's 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 dope. And actually, I have another question. Sorry, e. no off, off of that is like before social media, how are you guys figuring out? How are you finding out what was hot? Because you kind of talked, you talked about Nike posters and stuff like that, and I know that you have all these things, and we, <laughs> and we you, you literally have all the things. Like you have a box of posters, <laughs> like right over here, that they're all unopened, um, which is crazy. But, um, but I mean, I'm a, I love posters. Like posters are always my thing. I used to actually try to get them from, um, what is, what's the story, uh, Foot Locker and. Spencer's finish line and all that stuff. No, 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 no. I, I early, I, before I knew about PEs, mm -hmm. I knew that they made displays that were specifically for places. Uh, 
So I used to go to foot action after the Iverson. I would get the Iverson, shoot, whatever it was. And then I would be like, can you hold this for me until it's done? And then they're like, yeah, 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 whatever, kid. And I would come back every week and be like, is it done? Is it done? Is it done? And so I still have some of them. Wow. They're torn up and stuff that's like that. Awful. But that was my thing. Was like, <laughs> because that was awful. the only way that I knew about what was coming out was yeah. whatever came out in East Bay and whatever mm-hmm. was at yeah. Uh, yeah. like Foot Locker, Finish Line, so Foot funny. Action. So like I was pestering those dudes. But like, how did you guys find out I about that kind thing. of stuff? I still have all my old ads from when Foot Locker would get done with selling that Jordan or Iverson or whatever. And I have yeah. all of <laughs> <laughs> But beyond that, it was East Bay, and for East Bay, it was Manny's, if you guys remember that one. Oh, oh, it was, it wow. was East Bay before East Bay. It was, okay. it was oh, like wow. your early, mid-90s product wow. before East Bay came in, which I still have all those, too, which are always fun to go through, because wow. I collected every one of those growing up, because that was our Bible. That was yeah, our serious catalog. Yeah, that was everything yeah, I needed yeah, to know about man, what's yeah. cool. East Bay's on a lot. apparel, what yep. shoes he, I need. He, he dropped a little gem on you guys. Oh. It's a Sears catalog. Go ask your <laughs> mom. <laughs> go, go cop that Sears yeah, yeah. ice maker. Exactly. That gem was yeah. fire. That was fire. Never got one. <laughs> one one either. Year. Me either. Yeah. Too, man. That thing was delicious. I think they were junk, but they were great. Yeah. Yeah. They sold it really well. Yeah, they were like, it's some ice with some sugar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Snoopy, Snoopy spits it right out at you. Right? <laughs> that was the one everybody yeah. wanted. But yeah, I would say, back to this point too, East Bay. Like, that's where, like, oh, I want to learn how to jump higher. Let me get these weird shoes. Like, jump soles. Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted them. Slam Slam Magazine. Yeah. Slam yeah. Magazine. Yeah. Jump soles. Always those advertised. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. And I would say, yeah, to that point, too. Like, get the shoes. Yo, I heard a crazy story about Steve Francis when he was doing it, and they used to clown him. And they'd be like, what is wrong with you, dude? And he was like, well, he's like, don't wait. You just like, wait, man. Just wait, yeah. Because yeah. he was little. Steve was little. He was little. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I used to hear he, he, he grew up around our way. He yeah. was little, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I heard the story like a year, like a year and a half ago. There was a guy who was, uh, I was part of this like social entrepreneurs group thing. And he was, and he grew up with him. And so he was telling us, he's like, man, we used to just joke on Steve. We used to laugh at him. Like, there goes Steve again in his shoes. And they said after like a couple weeks, he was doing it for so long, they just forgot about it. They were like, whatever, Steve's got those shoes on. And then they said one day they used to line up the, the benches um, in front of, at the, at the park. And he would run, they would run down the benches and jump off the bench. And they said one day Steve just did it without the benches on. <laughs> and they were like,